All right. Hello, everybody. This is Julia Sotis, and you're listening to Possibilities. Um, this is a show that I put together um, because I just love having conversations with different people on different parts of access consciousness and talking about consciousness and how it can make our world so much greater um, when we're not choosing to be separate, when we are choosing to be greater and when we're choosing to have what we know is possible for us and everyone else. So, um, Today on the show, I have Teresa Thompson, and um, Teresa, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Teresa's a mother of three boys, and uh, she lives in Kamloops, Canada, and uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your access career, Teresa? Yeah, it, um, it's funny, because I never actually saw it as an access career. Um, I was actually on one of your telecalls. It was the Salon de Femme book club. And I remember there was another class you were talking about creating afterwards. And I reached out and I was like, hey, can I contribute to this call in any way? And you asked, yeah, do you like doing administrative stuff? And I was like, yes, I do. And then it just sort of went from there. And then we started working together and I was doing administrative back end stuff for you and it's actually really taken off in the last little bit um, and it's turned into creating websites and uploading all the calls and just doing administrative stuff for a few different people now it's a few different access facilitators now yes Teresa yeah. is my backbone I would be <laughs> laying in a pile on the floor without her <laughs> oh that's so sweet <laughs> and um and and you also work for my husband Anthony um mm -hmm a lot and um it's growing so many other people too it's amazing to see yeah yeah so, it's really then, cool and then um are you a bars facilitator as well i am a bars facilitator and i'm working on becoming a certified facilitator um my target is for this december in australia awesome awesome yeah. cool so um so, Teresa, I mean, the reason that we really chose to get together and have this conversation um, is sort of, well, it's not sort of, it's because of, um, we had a chat about mental illness and, mm -hmm. and uh, the different capacities that come with mental illness. But can you just talk a little bit about what you've sort of experienced in that arena? Yeah. Um, so, from the time I was about 13, I... I didn't at the time know that it was anxiety or know that it was like labeled as anything. It's just, I thought the way I felt inside, everybody felt that way and other people just looked way better at dealing with it. Um, so it was like a lot of anxiety. I remember going to high school and being terrified of everybody, just afraid of everybody and so much anxiety laying awake in my bed. Um, being terrified of things in my closet. And really? Yeah, and just and and looking back now, I realized there was our, there was a lot of stuff going on in our house with entities. But yeah, it was the house where when you're going upstairs from the basement, you run as fast as you can because you feel as though something or someone is chasing you from behind, oh. and you're going to die if you do not book it up those stairs. Oh no. So I'm, that's, that's what I grew up with was a lot of that. And um, it just sort of 
progressively got worse as I got older. Um, I mean, there were times where it was, things were easier and I wasn't as anxious or, or depressed, but it was never labeled as depression until I was uh, probably in my early 20s. Um, okay. I had moved out on my own after I graduated, and I remember watching a commercial that, you know, if you experience, you know, these symptoms, you might be depressed. And I remember watching it and I'm like, well, I feel like all of those apply to me except for the wanting to hurt myself. So it must not apply to me. So I left it longer and longer and longer until I actually did want to hurt myself. And um, yeah, I actually tried to kill myself twice. Both times clearly unsuccessful. (laughs) Thank God. No kidding. Knowing what I know now, it's like, wow. I wish that I had the tools then. So how old were you with your first attempt? Um, it was, it was all in the same year. And I believe I was about 21, 20 or 21. Okay. And like, what was going through your head that really pushed you over the edge? To I don't remember. Sorry. I don't remember the first time very much. I just remember, um, I just remember being at the hospital and it was just sort of a no big deal kind of thing. So it was, um, but the second time I, it was the same day that I'd found out my grandma died and it wasn't that my grandma had died, but the, the way that it felt inside was almost like, it was like I was being drowned, suffocated and strangled all at the same time inside. Mm. Like it was really hard to breathe. There was just like, I didn't see any other way out and I could not live like that anymore. It was like I was dying inside every day. So I felt like if I was dying inside every day, why am I actually still here? Mm. So I, I actually took a whole bunch of pills. (laughs) What kind of pills? Um, I think it was a whole bunch of Tylenol. There was actually some Tylenol 3. I had had my wisdom teeth out, so there was some really heavy painkillers. I pretty much just grabbed whatever was on our on my shelf and took as much as I could. Wow. So uh, so so did somebody find you or was it not enough to to kill you? Yeah, no my um my husband now was actually he had come over shortly after and he found me and was like and then got a hold of my mom and they took me to the hospital and then it was you know drink this or we're gonna pump your stomach so it was like some terrible charcoal gross stuff that made me instantly throw everything up oh okay yeah wow so that was the first time and then what happened that was the second time that was oh wait okay the first time sorry i don't really remember actually Okay, that was the time that it, it, and that, which one was the one that your grandma died? The second. Okay. Yeah. So, so what, what changed? I mean, were you going through all this at the time that you got married? Um, no, I'm still not technically married. I just call him my husband, but we're not actually married. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. that. Right. <laughs> which is totally okay. I, don't know. I did know that. Yeah. Um, but no, I was, um, what was happening then? I was just, I was working at a payday loan company and lived with my mom 
and just kind of trying to get through every day. Man, I can't imagine you working at a payday loan company. I know. It was actually a really cool job. Really? Yeah. If I, you know, like the working with, um, and this probably contributes to a lot of things, but there was like people who would come in with schizophrenia, lots of mental disorders because we would do loans against disability and there was a lot of mental disorder disability um, clients and it was actually really cool. I really liked it. Um, Wow. Like most of the people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, okay, so then, so what, at what point, like, I mean, okay, so let's, instead of looking at marriage, let's look at your first son, Amron. Mm-hmm. He's how old? 10? He's 10. Yeah. Okay, so Amron's 10. So did you struggle with this still after you had Amron, or was it something that, have like how did having kids and this sort of intersect it's sort of like after so after the second attempt um with all of the pills and everything I actually stayed in the psych ward for a month and lived there I guess and then I found a modality called breath integration and it was just enough for me to change the things I wanted to change at that point and um get off of the antidepressants and feel mostly happy. Cool. Um, Yeah. And so I kind of kept doing that for a while and then stopped doing that because we moved away and and stuff like that. And um, never really went back to feeling like I needed, wanted to kill myself, but just not, not happy. Um, And then when I was pregnant with her first, I swear it was like postpartum depression like it was like prenatal depression like I cried every day from in the last trimester it was awful I hated being pregnant it was like I was depressed all over again I had the same thoughts about hurting myself everything like that and I was so afraid to go to the doctor because I didn't want them to just instantly put me back on medication so I just toughed it out right sucked it up figured once I had the baby everything would change and it did after I had Amron um there it was I was happy it was there was no depression I did not experience postpartum depression with him at all um and things were much easier it was when he started getting a bit older and you know the the, how there's the terrible twos and um I started noticing him and I would butt heads and we would fight a lot, even when he was at two. Um, (laughs) And then we had our, and it it was continued on like that. It was just lots of kind of arguments between us. And, and, and at that time, so after you had Amron, you weren't necessarily happy, but you weren't in a depression. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I got pregnant with our second son, like three years later. Okay. Um, and after I had our second son, it was kind of like I started to realize that I wasn't the parent that I wanted to be. Like there had to, it had to be more fun than this because it was just it was torture every day. And after having our second son, I went. I had postpartum depression. Um, I'm self-diagnosing myself, but knowing what I know now, it's yeah. doula. Um, I look back and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, that, 
We forgot to tell everybody about your super, super important (laughs) other career that has so much to pertain to this story. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone, Teresa is also a doula. I wear many hats. (laughs) She really does. Um, And can you just give people a little bit of a synopsis about what you do as a doula? Um, Yeah, so I support pregnant women or families, really, the whole family, the mom, the dad, the two moms, the two dads, however it looks, um, during pregnancy and labor and birth, and then after baby is born. So just the biggest thing is supporting them during the labor and during birth with different comfort measures and and things like that. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and she's really good at it and she absolutely loves doing it. I don't, I think, I don't think that everybody's cut out for being a mom and I don't think that everybody's cut out for being a doula and I've seen you be a mom. I haven't seen you deliver a baby, but I, I think you're just such an amazing mom. When I look at you, I'm like, oh gosh, what is she so much allowed? She has so much space. I think it's just awesome. So, um, yeah. I, I remember I saw you, uh, you were at um, a class with me in San Francisco and um, you brought your oldest, Amarin. And mm-hmm. the way that you talked to him, you were sitting out in the hallway and you were so patient with him and you were so kind to him and you were so present in his world. And even when you yelled at him, like it didn't have this great force to it. Like it, it was just, it was just really cool. And you really showed me a different way of being with my kids. So. Thank you. That's super cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that about you. Um, okay. So let's get back on track here. Um, so let's, okay. So you, so you, Kayla, you had, let's talk about when you had Navin, your second son. Hmm. Um, and then around there, so you were kind of just coasting for a few years. Um, and you said that you wanted to be a better parent, which Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can go go from there. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. After the first year after having Navin, it was it was really rough. A lot of postpartum depression. Um, Devinder, my husband, enjoyable other partner. Um, him and I were in a really terrible place, and we just we honestly we had a conversation one day. And we're like, this needs to change. Like, we need whatever it takes. This needs to change, and. So we made that choice, and I think, I'm going to say within six months, I became pregnant again. With Unexpectedly. Jacks. No. With Nato. No, with a whole nother. Oh! This is another oh, story. Miscarriage, okay. Yeah, yeah, and so it was really interesting. I think it's, it's kind of important to talk about because yeah. we didn't have the access tools, but we made the choice and the demand that something was going to change, and we needed to change this. And so we became pregnant. Um, neither of us, because we had such a tough first year with the second, our second child, it was like we are not having any more kids. I actually had an IUD in. Oh, okay. So an intrauterine. It's a, the form of birth control that they insert into you. Um, and then I became pregnant somehow, magically, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> scientifically the IUD had fallen out at some point that I never noticed um and so we really struggled with being pregnant with a third and like we would tell people that we're pregnant and it was kind of like a yeah 
I'm pregnant again. You know, it was a really negative energy towards the whole thing. Okay. Um, the day that I remember we drove down to Vancouver and we were, we were talking, we're like, you know, I think, I think we're okay. I think, I think we can do this. Three would be okay. And that same night is when I miscarried. And it was quite far along. Like often miscarriages happen within the first um, month or two, but I was 18 weeks pregnant. So okay. almost halfway. And it was, it was like, I don't want to say it was traumatic, but it was, um, it wasn't an easy miscarriage. Okay. There was like a, a lot of stuff like in the hospital and then having to go to another hospital and things like that. Um, but what came from it, and I'm so grateful that we could acknowledge it, is that it brought Devinder and I closer together, like mm. closer than ever before. Right. And to be able to see that and acknowledge that that was the change that we were asking for, it made the whole loss and the whole process so much easier. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Never shows up like you think it will. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. from, you know, a year, a couple of years after, that's when we got pregnant with our third. But um, from the time of the miscarriage, before we got pregnant with our third, is when I was introduced to access consciousness. Okay. And that, yeah. So, so how did that change things like what tools did you look at what stuff were you listening to that was, went wow it actually started with so a friend of mine um had her bars run and she was introduced to access and she started sharing things with me and the first thing was actually shannon o'hara's talk to the entities it was like hmm. I, I can't remember what call it was it was one of her free you know like hour-long calls and her all it took was her mentioning that a telltale sign of entities are around you is all of a sudden you'll feel anxious. And I was like, Oh my God. Wow. That is everything right there. As soon as I started acknowledging that it was entities, it didn't make it easier. It didn't make it go away. Um, but it was kind of more like, I became more aware of how many entities were actually around me. And then I began, began like communicating with them and having office hours and stuff like that. And that's when things started to shift. And then it was just kind of from there, I was like, I need more of this. What, what else is this? What else is out there? Right. So for those people out there listening who don't know what office hours are, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so office hours are, it doesn't have to look like a whole hour, but it's like setting up a chunk of time where you just sit and be present and communicate with any entities that might be wanting to talk to you. Kind of oh. like sitting in a psychiatrist's office talking to patients. <laughs> <laughs> but with patients, you can't necessarily see with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy. <laughs> oh, That's great. So... Um, so for you, I mean, and, and now obviously Anthony and I, who we spend 
we joke that Teresa is like the third party in our marriage mm-hmm. because she she works so closely with Anthony and so closely with me and runs everything. And uh, so we, we always laugh. But and, and Anthony and I are both Talk to the Entities facilitators and really, really excited and, and interested in the work. And can you just... I mean, you've kind of, you did the talk to the entities and you've come back to it, but like for you, you know, what would you say to somebody or what was the greatest change for you with regards to entities? Like, where does that freedom stem from other than just the awareness of, wow, there's entities here? Um, like one of the biggest tools that I've, I've used and I, I mean, I've kind of been doing access things for the last six years but it was um what really changed because i've even been struggling over the last couple years with with anxiety and and being i wouldn't say depression but definitely anxiety and and the whole feeling overwhelmed and everything like that but when we were in vancouver at cop with carrie douglas and he really clearly said you know he really would enforce the idea or the question of asking who does this belong to and right he suggested that I do it for six months and I actually started doing that and I still do it and that has really changed everything because just asking who does it belong to I get the awareness that it could be entities it could be someone down the street it could be someone else but that it's never mine it's not actually mine so you know I'm feeling anxious and sometimes depressed it's it's not mine and i didn't really get that until well like six months ago (laughs) yeah yeah you're a sponge of the universe that's right (laughs) yeah wow so who does it belong to so nothing is yours um because anxiety is something that i've had so much of i've had you know i mean talk to the entities really just says that like people who are have anxiety, um, schizophrenia, I mean, and those are two different sides of the mm-hmm. spectrum, but any kind of mental illness, anything that we would consider an illness in this reality is just a form of entity capacity. Yeah. And so, like everything that you went through was this capacity that you didn't know how to deal with. And you know, I, I mean, when I was 15, I, my, my, I had no issue, um, with mental illness and right until my uncle died when I was 15. And my uncle was more like of an an uncle slash dad figure because Mm -hmm. him and my dad, we lived on a farm and, and my dad is, is very much a man who, Um, he's very brilliant. He's very smart. He does not like to be around other people because they drive him crazy and God love him for it. I don't blame him. And, and, and he was really, really happy as a farmer. That was all he ever wanted to do as a little boy. He would plow his basement with his little toy tractor over and over again every day. And he just begged his dad to take him out from a young age. And, and so him and his brother, my dad was the youngest of five and my uncle was the oldest of five and there were 17 years between them. So, um, 
they had this really amazing working relationship where my uncle was um, kind of the older generation and my dad was kind of the younger generation and they were best friends and it was just the two of them farming together. And one day my uncle um, went to Cuba and he just drowned in the ocean. He just drowned. And it was like, well, it was just bizarre and nobody really knew how or why he was just walking out into the waves by himself. And, and my cousin came back and she found him kind of purple and and floating and there were people crowded around him. So, so it was just a really kind of a bizarre, mysterious death. And, and I was 15 at the time. And that was when my first bout of depression hit. And even as I'm having this conversation, I haven't really talked about it or looked at it since I've had the talk to the entities tools in this way. But it's like, my dad was super depressed. He lost his best friend. My dad was super aware of entities. He was aware of his brother. You know, his brother clearly, clearly to me made the choice to die. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we all choose to die. None of us die by accident. And, and to me, it was very clear that, you know, that that was his choice. And my, you know, my, my, the whole family, both parties, everybody got massive life insurance policies. That was actually the beginning of their financial freedom. Wow. My parents have had a lot of freedom in that area. So I can see my uncle's kindness in the choice to die. And then also his deep regret, his, I think he was shocked by how much my dad mourned him. I don't think that he realized that before. And I think he really, really missed my dad and couldn't get through to him because my dad didn't have the tools of talk to the entities and, you know, isn't, he's curious, but he's not fully willing to claim and own the huge capacity that he has. And like, and so, so I started to just go crazy. I mean, I I had the same thing as you, or I don't know how similar, but the same energy of like, I'm trapped and I'm being suffocated and I'm being like, I can't breathe, not necessarily drown, but Mm -hmm. like my lungs are caving in on me and I can't live any longer. I have to kill myself if this continues. And I never attempted suicide, but I was like, I have to kill myself if this goes on for much longer. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's just, it's like the entities for me are just, they are all, it's all, all mental illness almost is caused by entities and awareness of entities or other beings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. I just want to say, Oh, sorry. Something agrees with me. Yeah. But, but yeah. So, so Teresa, um, what else, what other tools of access and like, what else have you used to just have more ease in this area? Bars for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, something's binging on my computer. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely bars. Um, I've really noticed if I'm starting to feel, you know, anxious or just, just like my head just feels crunchy, like nothing's running smooth. And I lay down and have my bars run and 
after a bar session, it's just like taking a deep breath and being like, oh, okay, let's look at this a different way, whatever it is that wasn't working. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, so how often do you get your bars run? Um, at least once a week. Okay. Um, it what hasn't always been once a week. Um, and since working with you and Anthony, I definitely would like to have my bars run every three days. <laughs> but sometimes that's not always doable. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say at least once a week. Cool. Cool. Um, awesome. Um, so we're, co we're coming to an end here pretty soon. But I just I would love to hear a little bit more about you know, how things have changed for you and, and kind of what you know is possible with, with, for yourself, for the world, what kind of future you'd like to create and, and what you know. That brings tears to my eyes a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's like I know how awful it is to like just the how awful it is to deal with anxiety and depression and feel like you're the only one and nobody else knows what you're going through yeah and that's a huge thing like I felt alone for my entire life I never talked to anybody about it um ever until until I started talking to people with access consciousness who also knew what it was like to go through that and, and to use the tools and to, to shift it. And I just, I guess one of my targets is, and I, I'm not sure how to institute it yet, but it will get there is to let kids actually kids and teenagers know that, you know, if they're feeling like this, it's, not a normal way to feel. It's not okay that you feel like this. Like there's a, it's, there's a way to change it. Right. There's a way to change it and you're, that they're not alone. And if they want to change it, then there's tools and ways to change it. Right. That's um, awesome. It does, it's, it does feel like the most unchangeable thing on the yeah, planet. It really does. And if you don't know that there is something out there, that something else that's possible, you just like, I was afraid I was going to feel like that forever. And I didn't want to feel like that. So that's why I thought killing myself was the easiest way out because I didn't see how it could change. I didn't see that there it was possible to change it other than being on medication, which actually most often made it feel worse. Yep. Yeah. Um, what was medication like for you? I've never, I've never done medication. I, you know, luckily found access or would snap out of it right before I would go on medication. But, mm -hmm. but what, what was that like for you? I was on a few different ones. Um, one just made it worse. Really? It, yeah. It's, and I think that's, I started taking that one shortly before I um, tried to took all the pills the second time. And it really just made, I don't want to say it made everything numb, but it, it's like it intensified the anxiety and took every ounce of joy out of my life. There was like what I had to hold on to with joy and happiness before was gone after starting to take that medication. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that is for everybody and, and every medication. Um, 
but yeah. it was just sort of like being numb, but not numb. Like you didn't know what was going on, but numb, like you had no, no feelings, no joy, no happiness, no, but there was still the, the sadness and the anxiety. So I'm not really sure what the purpose of the medication was. Cause what, I mean, it didn't, it didn't do what I it think the doctors thought it was made to. for. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and drugs and alcohol. I mean, there's so many entities who are on morphine or mm-hmm. different kinds of like hospital drugs that, that die in the hospital on drugs. Like yeah. when I used to think of entities dying on drugs, I would think about like stoner entities or entities who died from crack. Yeah. Totally. But actually the majority of the entities that die on drugs are actually in hospitals on, on different um, pharmaceutical drugs, legal drugs. Exactly. Um, And I'm not sure why I brought that up, but I just, just to say that like drugs really don't work to create more consciousness. They, they, really numb things out and stop consciousness and the only way to change things is through actually just getting aware like you did mm-hmm. so yeah when I was 15 I started smoking a lot of pot and I eventually just like quit altogether because all it ever did was make me way more anxious than I already was and really tired like all I ever wanted to do was curl up in a ball and go to sleep and not be near anyone. Hmm. So. Weed was actually introduced to the, Gary said this in a class, weed was actually introduced to the population to slaves so that the slaves would be complacent and wouldn't try to escape. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's how it got introduced to society and then it just moved through, mm-hmm. but it started with slaves. Wow slave owners giving it to the slaves um cool well oh gosh so on a lighter note i i mean (laughs) i'd love to hear (laughs) i just got so heavy (laughs) 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 but it's true it's what happens it's what we create it's it's like not choosing to be aware in these areas is such a violent disaster to our beings and for me talking to talk to the entities and choosing to actually spend time every single day speaking with entities is like I have there is this healing that is taking place in my life in ways that I didn't know I could heal and and I'm just so grateful for that and it sounds like for you and talking to entities has done the same yeah, and yeah, and working with Anthony, Anthony, um, and being on a lot of his talk to the entity calls and stuff in the last year, it I've just it's just expanded my awareness and and my allowance of them also. Oh, can you say more about that? Um, yeah, I used to, I don't know, almost get mad that they were hanging around and and you know, go away. And I wouldn't want to communicate them. I did go through a period of time where it was like, I'm not, I'm not, why even bother talking to them? Why even bother clearing them? Cause they're just going to keep showing up more and more and more. So I just tried to ignore them. Um, which didn't really work cause they didn't really go anywhere. Um, right. but then once I 
started communicating with them and having allowance for the ones that didn't want to leave and still wanted to hang out and just having allowance for them, everything just lightened up. And it was, it's kind of like, just makes your life easier. Totally. Yeah. For me, I, I couldn't believe, well, I could, but I never really had considered how many entities are just hanging around me trying to make my life better and contribute to me. Right. Yeah. It's like, like I, there's actually entities out there that, that want to contribute to you. That's yeah. so weird. <laughs> they don't all want to eat your face off. In right. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, awesome. Well, um, this brings us to the end. Um, thank you so much, Teresa, for just being so awesome all the Thanks time. For having me. Oh, yeah. thank you. And for being so vulnerable and open about everything that you've gone through because you know, there could be somebody listening to this who who still, you know, hasn't used the tools of access and has been through all of this suffering and um you know with the demons and and just the the total sense of hopelessness so um yeah I used to be really embarrassed about talking about it and I used to hide it from everyone it was like a taboo topic me Um, too yeah but really I mean how how what a better way to share with people for them to know that they're not alone than to share what you went through absolutely yeah. And you just do it so vulnerably. So thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really, yeah. this was fun. Actually. This was really fun. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I love, I love the show. Yeah. It was <laughs> awesome. Thank this you. Show is just about having fun and, and uh, having these really great conversations. So I'm really grateful. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. And thank you to everyone listening out there. Um, what can I tell you? Oh, I do have a class coming up. Um, uh, it's called the sex you always knew was possible and it's a one hour call. Um, and that's going to be happening this Sunday, August 5th. So you guys are invited to that. And if you would like more details, you can check that out at juliasotis.com. And Teresa, how do people find you if they want to do sessions with you, um, bars, classes, how do you, how does that work? Um, you know, I'm actually currently in the process of setting up that, but right now you can find me on Facebook, um, just Teresa Thompson, or you can email me at Teresa T dot access at gmail.com. Awesome. And that's Teresa without an H T E R E S A. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you. And, uh, how does it get better than this? Bye everybody. Bye.